Hey Jacob, welcome to another Creator Toolbox. How are you today? I'm good. New year, new episode. 2024, indeed, indeed. Oh. <laughs> you excited for the year? I am, I am. It's, um, I, I'm afraid that it's going to go as quickly as last year, which was very, 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 very fast. So finally fast. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had the experience of one year being slower than the previous? Or has it accelerated every single year? Covid, maybe. <laughs> that felt it's like, actually. yeah, it felt like a whole little microcosm of itself. But yeah, I don't know. Don't think so. They all get quicker, <laughs> no, don't they? They're always getting faster. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Should we jump into it? We've got tools of the week. Let's do our tools of the week. Um, exciting to know. I'll I'll uh, mention this for the listeners' sake as well. Uh, we've started inviting on guests for this. My whole idea for the Creator Toolbox was to get more people on here, so it's not just you and I, Jacob. Although, of course, uh, it's good fun just doing it with yourself. But uh, we're going to get some more creators on as well. And we've had what, what did you see? Like five or six replies oh, yeah. already. Already, yeah, I was surprised. So a bunch of people, yeah. So that's going to be great fun getting um, an extra person on. So generally it'll be me, Jacob, and one other person. Um, generally somebody who is a creator, who has been working in this for a few years at least, um, that will get on to share their tools, tactics, tips, all that kind of stuff. So that'll be good fun. So that'll be upcoming in the next few weeks. But this time around, just you and I, Jacob. So uh, do you want to jump into your tool, Jacob? What have you got this week? Yeah, uh, so I've been using this website a lot, and it's great. I've never really come across... Well, I've come across similar things, um, but never one like this. It's called Landing Pages Explained. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I spent a lot of time looking at landing pages, writing landing pages, trying to improve landing pages. And there's all sorts of sites that are sort of full of inspiration, that are full of just like you know, like big grid of just here are a lot of landing pages and sometimes you can filter them and you can look for certain types for different things. Um, and I find that useful. It's nice to look at um, some of the things other people are doing, some of the patterns that they're using, some of the wording that they're using, some of the copy. Um, but this one is really unique in that it's all explained. So all of the landing pages that are on there are annotated. Um, and quite a lot of them are actually annotated by the by the creator or by the marketer um, that that made it. It's um right. yeah, it's a little project done by um some of the guys that I actually mentioned on a past episode. It's by uh, Ollie Meekings from mm-hmm. Senja. Yeah. Um so yeah, no, a really, really cool little tool. This is really cool. So yeah, so it's kind of a breakdown. Do they do they take volunteers for it? Like can you submit your landing page or is it just yeah, totally. they'll seek them out? Yeah. Huh. That's cool. Have you learned anything about it? Have you put any of our stuff in there? Not yet, but I'm thinking about uh, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. So I'm looking through them just now. What Any big kind of learnings you've had from this? Like what have you, you taken away any one or, one or two big things from it that we can uh, share? Yeah, um, I, well, nothing, nothing in particular, no sort of like this is one consistent hack across all these landing pages. But for me, the reason that I find it really useful is that I second guess myself, my writing yep. a lot. So this is a really good way for me to go and uh, compare myself to, which sounds counter, counterproductive, but to compare <laughs> myself to some of the things that other people are doing and actually get validation. Or if I feel yeah, like something yeah. isn't quite right, like this isn't, you know, there's something wrong about it, I can go and have a look at a bunch of other landing pages and actually see the reasoning behind a similar thing on another landing yeah. page. And I find that really, really useful. It gets me unstuck. 
it's kind of it's almost like the you know you used to used to have a swipe file. That's what I used to do. Certainly, whenever I saw a good website that had some nice headlines or a nice layout or or some just things some some things I wanted to learn from, I would yeah. pop a link in my swipe file. And this looks yeah. like just a really good swipe file. But even more than that, explaining actually what's going on on the pages as well. Yeah. So yeah. looks really useful. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So all, all right. of these are all of these are Ollie, but actually quite a lot of them are. Like I say, like the, the people that made them, um, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. yeah so maybe I'll have some at ours. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Pop one in. Cool. All righty. Uh, all right. I've got a boring story for you for my one. Okay. <laughs> but really useful. So listener, please don't tune out. Um, it might be useful to you. I'll do it quick. Merchants of Record. Do you know what a Merchant oh. of Record is, Jacob? Uh, something to do with tax. So what is it? They have like shell companies in various different countries and they do their, do your tax by countries that you don't need to. That's kind of, that's basically it. Yes, exactly. It's, it's basically that. Um, so a merchant of record is a company that you sell your stuff through and then they actually make sure that they are complying with all of the tax purpose, uh, tax laws in all of the countries that you sell. So a good example is we sell ebooks, we sell uh, courses. Uh, ebooks are actually a really interesting one; they're a really useful one. So that's kind of the story around this: is that we sell uh, finally start your podcast book. We've got a, a growth podcast growth book. We've had loads of different PDFs that we've sold over the years as well. Uh, and books have a different VAT rate, a different tax rate from anything else, any other kind of product. No idea how this started. It's the most ridiculous thing. And when it first began. Uh, it actually stopped a lot of people selling their books. It actually put a, a lot of people out of, out of business, exactly, because most of it was kind of a side income it's, itself. But there was a lot of people were affected by this. The fact that suddenly there was these huge tax reporting um, requirements around selling digital products around Europe, particularly, but also in the US, I think, like between states. Uh, and it meant that people just couldn't do it. Like individuals just couldn't do it because they'd have to pay an accountant or it's just too complicated to learn. Like it's a, it's a ridiculous thing. So merchant of records... Merchants of Record even uh, started up um, to cover this. So then you can just list your book or your product, whatever it is, on these merchants and they take care of the entire tax thing. They make sure they're checking who is buying uh, and from where, what country they're in, uh, gives them the right tax and then submits that tax to the right authority, like to the country. So mm-hmm. if a person in France buys one of our books, they charge French ebook tax specifically, not even uh, like normal tax, uh, and then they send that to the French government and you don't have to care at all, which is beautiful because yeah. <laughs> it's a really complicated, horrible thing to try and deal with. Yeah. Um, it- Boring, yeah, but not as boring as if you had to do it yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yes, totally. Yeah. So I've been dealing with this again um, just in the recent uh, months. So I thought I'd share it because I think when I first started learning about it, it was a huge thing. It was really overwhelming. So if there's anyone out there listening, trying to sell these digital products, I think it's really worth knowing. Uh, and it affected what products we use because we've been trying to sell, like I said, courses, particularly setting up communities and courses. Uh, the tax isn't quite so complicated in them because it's more of a service than a digital product in most cases. But still, it's so much easier if you can sell it on a place that actually remits all the tax for you. Yeah. So I've ended up bringing a lot of our stuff back to Teachable, for example, because it's a merchant of record and it actually handles so much of that for you. Um, and the other one that we use a lot is Gumroad. So Gumroad is really good for ebooks and stuff like that. Uh, and teachable is maybe more if you're kind of larger products, like larger, larger courses or coaching services, that kind of stuff too. But 
if you use either of those, it means that you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Um, and it's even more relevant for us right now. So that's for kind of smaller sellers, smaller creators that are selling products. But as you get bigger, you start to hit these thresholds, particularly in the US, among states. If you're selling software or products or digital products across different states, you start to hit these these limits whereby you suddenly start to registering uh, an entity in every single state as well, uh, which is just horrible because then you'd end up with like 52 different tax accounts that you have to remit to and stuff like that. But merchants of record handle that for you as well. So worth knowing that. So yeah, there's a little, a little story. Gumroad and Teachable are what we're using for this just now. A few others out there, like Paddle is actually a, an equivalent of Stripe. Um, it's a, a payment processor, but acts as a merchant of record as well. Mm. Um, and they claim to be really good for just handling all that stuff and handling the tax and things like that too. So yeah, Gumroad, Teachable and Paddle worth looking at if that's a, an issue you're coming across. Wild that Stripe doesn't do it. No, I know it's kind of, they've just stuck really purely to just pure payment processing and, and they've got VAT tools in there and they do actually have, they've got a tool in there where they help you correct the right tax, mm-hmm. collect the right tax. So um, Stripe tax, you pay a bit extra, it's like half a percent or a percent or something on every payment. But yeah, they don't do the full on one, Shame. which is weird. Maybe someday. <laughs> All right. You got any other tools for us this week, Jeff? Um... No, not this week. No, that was it. Cool. No worries. I'll do a quick mention for a couple of bits of kit then that I'm trying out just now. Not a full uh, review or cover because uh, I haven't really um, gone into them too deep yet, but I've got a, a Roadcaster Duo sitting on my desk in front of me just now. Uh, we get sent one for review and uh, Dev reviewed it on our website. So if you go over to the podcast host, thepodcasthost.com, you'll be able to get a review there. Just search Roadcaster in the search at the top. Uh, but the Roadcaster, I've always found the Roadcaster device really useful to use it's great for all sorts of different stuff particularly if you're doing a live stream or stuff like that um uh bringing in cameras and everything but it's quite big yeah (laughs) and the roadcaster duo you never really use all those channels it takes four different mics and it's got loads of different channels on it um but the roadcaster duo is a lovely little uh, much smaller much more portable device so um, but it seems to include pretty much all the different features that i'll need so looking forward to playing with that over the next few weeks i'm not an audio hardware geek at all really not because it doesn't interest me just because i don't know a lot about it yeah what why would i need that at what point do i need that yeah so the the really the most obvious one is if you're recording in person with people Mm -hmm. so if the two of us were in a studio together that's the really obvious use case because you can plug in two mics and it lets you control each person individually so that's like the it's it's harder to justify if it's just online but Online, for example, I can play, uh, so there's the stuff like, silly stuff, maybe a little bit of polish, is like the sound cart, so you can get things like uh, little uh, sound effects, you know, a little cheer in the background because we're doing so well. You've got things like that. Um, I can bring in a phone call on it as well, so actually I can connect my phone up to it via Bluetooth uh, and maybe do a WhatsApp call or something like that. I don't know why that'd be more useful than just doing it on the computer, but, you know, we have actually had to do calls like pure on phone calls with people in the past because they just haven't been able to manage zoom calls and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. occasionally that can be useful uh and you can bring in other devices too so if you had like uh um you know something that you wanted to play a recording off that wasn't on your computer you could plug that into it too so it's less obvious as a uh you know an online call an online podcasting device um just some nice little enhancements and you can set it up i hear uh, the um, the buttons so that they work as uh, 
what do you call it, a switcher, like a stream deck type thing. So you can swap camera angles and things oh, like that cool. or views. Like if you're if you're live streaming. So we're on we're sharing our screen just now. Uh someone like StreamYard, you know, you can switch between views really easily. You can set it up to do that kind of thing as well. So there's a few different things like that. So yeah. Cool. It's um it's more it's it's not essential by any means unless you're out and about, but yeah. it's a it's a nice little toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Cool. All right. So we're going to creators of the week then. Oh, let's do it. You first. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I've been listening to uh, a new podcast quite a lot in the last month or two. Uh, it's called How to Take Over the World uh, by Ben Wilson. I'm just really enjoying it. And there's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff that he does really well on that show that I thought I'd share. Have you come across it at all? You've seen it? Nope. Never heard of it. Nope. It's a, theoretically, it's a history show. Um, so he talks about historical characters. Uh, so how to take over the world refers to the fact that it's all people that have taken over the world in some kind of sense. And it doesn't have to be actually like war, like taking over the world, mm. like actually conquering places. It could be. So he talked about Leonardo da Vinci on a recent okay. episode, for example, because he yeah. took over the world's culture in many ways. Or, mm. you know, there's somebody that has influenced the world, essentially. Uh, so he's had Leonardo da Vinci, Napoleon, a lot of them are conquerors, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Napoleon, Alexander the Great, um, Caesar, you know, people like that. So, yeah. um, but he does it in a really interesting way. He just, he does a lot of research. So he always reads a few books um, and then just basically tells a story of this person over two or three episodes. Uh, and he's a really kind of relatable guy, quite conversational, comes across really well. But the way he brings it together, I think, is really cool because he not only relays the, you know, the kind of high points and low mm -hmm. points of this person's life and the history and you learn about the history, but he relates it to modern life as well. Like he brings in lessons. Yeah. So that's his big thing is bringing out lessons from these people, like takeaways. And this is what I learned from this person, how they dealt with this that we could use now in our life. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's almost sneakily a leadership podcast as well. In fact, it's not sneakily. It definitely is. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Like, yeah. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should listen. Definitely. Yeah. And it's really accessible in that um, he's got, you know, all these characters. So you can dig in, you can subscribe, you can look back through, you can pick a character that you know, say Napoleon, one of the recent yeah. ones, listen yeah. to the two or three episodes about him. And that's it. It's like completed start to finish mm -hmm. that arc. And then you can go back and listen to more if you want, but I like really a podcast cool. like that where you can just where each episode is just something really specific and I can just go and listen to that and yeah. jump about and cherry pick. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no sequence required whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Um he also he ties it to earlier the thing that I'm discovering as I listen to more of them is he's really tying the episodes together as well. So in the more recent episodes, he refers back to something he learned from Caesar or Napoleon or Alexander the Great or whatever and brings it into the current one. So he's he's developing this kind of body of knowledge or you know kind of archive of stuff that he's bringing and pulling themes out of it and bigger lessons because of like something two or three different people did that kind of thing mm. so it's he's doing a really good job on it um, is it just a podcast has he got anything it else? is yes so yeah. interestingly yeah he's just doing audio just now um i can't imagine yeah it's an interesting one isn't it like it's just mm. him speaking so to make that useful on youtube He'd have to do something quite interesting, wouldn't he? To make it sort of more video or yeah. to do it really good for clipping and stuff like that. I'm not sure. He'd have to he'd have to do some pretty interesting visual stuff, I guess, yeah. to make it more interesting to watch. So yeah, I don't know. Could go that way. 
But another couple of things from it, um, monetization, like he ties into, he, he pushes his newsletter a lot. I like his calls to action. He talks about his newsletter. That's his main call to action. So that's obviously his big goal is to just get people onto the newsletter. Um, but he does include some sponsorships as well. So he obviously is doing a bit of monetization through sponsorships, that in the background. But he re- it's all host read, um, yeah. quite nicely integrated in his own style, which is quite good. And I noticed I went to his website earlier on, just have a wee look. He does premium memberships as well, um, which I think is quite cool. So he's got, um, let's have a look. He's got how to take over the world. You can subscribe premium membership for $7, I believe it was, for the month, uh, which is really cool. So $7 gets you, here it is, exclusive content, ad-free experience, AMA episodes, mini and bonus episodes. So he's doing this kind of extra subscription premium um, premium podcasting approach as well, which is really cool. Uh, so, and Steve interesting. Jobs part one. I like it. Yeah. I like it. There's a part yeah, yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but interestingly, he's got this as well. He's got a Caesar level. So the premium level is $7 a month. You get a few extra um, resources, but he's got a $3,000 a month, uh, sorry, a year level. Ooh. Whereby you get bi-weekly calls with the inner circle and the ability to choose with, with the a historical figure <laughs> for an episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll bring on AI Einstein and you get to chat to him. <laughs> um, That's really cool. Wow. But I can imagine like him building a brand around this and becoming a really popular show and people with too much money for their own good, obviously, but people willing yeah. to pay three grand to choose somebody to cover next. Yeah. Um, Do you know if anyone's taking them up on it? I have no idea. I don't know. I haven't heard that on the show yet. So certainly he hasn't mentioned that on the show, but I just think it's a cool thing there. So I think that's, um, that's something that more creators should do though. They should have like a a big sort of hairy audacious level of, I don't know, product or support or service or whatever. And not without putting too much upfront work in it. Yeah. Uh, But just offer it as something that's there for, for the super fans. Cause you never really, you never know exactly how many super fans you have. You, you probably just think you don't because you've not heard from them. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So I like that. Like more yeah, I, absolutely. You're totally right. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you might get one person a year buying something like that, but then suddenly you might get a few people because you've just suddenly hit this kind of threshold of popularity or engagement or something. It's just, yeah, yeah. worth trying. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty. That's it though. I love the show. Go and check it out. How to take over the world. Takeoverpod.com is the website. So yeah, have a look. Nice. What about yourself, Jacob? Who's your creator of the week this week? It's a, it's a sad story. It's a sad story. It's the end oh, of an era. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tom Scott is leaving YouTube. Uh, I don't actually think he is. Um, I think he, I think uh-huh. he's winding down his main channel, which has been going for, I mean, I've been watching it for like, like three or four years at least, but it's been going okay. longer than that. And, as far as I know, he has not missed a week in that really? whole time, which is <laughs> crazy. And I think he's yeah. just one of the one of the most quintessential sort of pre Mr. Beastier YouTubers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like he was just such a staple of YouTube um, for me. And like, ah, oh, yeah, I, I bring him up because because he's um, because he's closing his channel. But I think he's worth talking about just because of what he's done. You know, he's been incredibly incredibly uh consistent and the style of his videos um and the way that he creates content i think is uh something that we probably don't see enough of now and it's 
really, really high quality, but it really respects your time. So like, you yeah, you see those videos there. They're like less than 10 minutes every time. And actually there's quite a lot of two, three minute videos as well. And it'll really? be him in a quarry in Canada and it'll, you know, the video always starts with hi, I'm Tom Scott, I'm in a quarry in Canada and this is famous or interesting for whatever reason and he'll go to all of these places but really? he, won't, he won't make you watch 30 minutes of sort of fluff, he will just right. show just you exactly what's interesting yeah, he'll talk to <laughs> uh, when possible, he'll talk to um, someone who knows as well, so it's a bit of interview um, yeah, and I mean, it's, I, I'm assuming he's not going to remove the channel. That'd be nuts because it's all still monetized. But um, yeah, it's uh, end of an era. I wanted to bring him up. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't realize how many people watched him. I thought it was, I thought Tom Scott was one of my. I mean, obviously, saw they had a lot of subscribers, but yeah, um, uh, I thought it was just one of my weird <laughs> follows. But no, yeah, I've seen a lot of people talk about him. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it came up. I'd never heard of him, honestly, um, mm. but. <clears throat> it came up, I think it was maybe an episode of Colin Samir or something, uh, and they mentioned it, and I went and had a look, and I was like, yeah, there's some really cool stuff on here. I, I love that takeaway you've got there around the, the length. I think there's a lot around, a, there's a lot of uh, theory at the moment around longer YouTube videos and them working better because YouTube want more ads in them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, like 3 minute 30, 4.2 million views. That was only three months ago, so it's not like an old one that... Yeah. Worked on an old algorithm. That's a new one. That's a short video. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Looks like he does a podcast as well. You ever listened to that? I haven't. No, I've not listened to any of his other stuff. Mm-hmm. I think his podcast. Um, mm-hmm. No offense to him at all, uh, but I, I hear that it's just not the same as his videos. I think it's really? essentially what he like. His each video is like here's a cool fact or a cool thing or a cool place, and I think that the podcast is like two guys sitting in front of each other. Being like, here's a cool fact. Here's another cool fact. Here's a right. cool fact. Here's another cool fact. It's like, <laughs> I would rather just watch QI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of variety in here as well. That's cool. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, getting to go up into the um, that uh, zero gravity plane. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> so he's obviously got a lot out of it. Yeah, for sure. All righty. Cool. I think you've got a, an honorary mention here as well. What's this about? Oh, I do. Yeah. So this is a, <clears throat> a little bit, a little bit nerdy, a little bit geeky. Um, but I just finished a video game, Baldur's Gate Three. One, well, I think it won Game of the Year. Um, so you may have heard of it. But I wanted to mention the studio that made it because in their industry, I think they did something that was really uh, out of the norm, and they weren't totally afraid to do that. It's something that I don't know. I think it's applicable to to, to many creators and many different. Um, uh, many different industries, but uh, the video game industry uh, is just full of price gouging and like underdeveloped products. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they they poured their heart into making this game, and they didn't add any crazy little micro transactions or anything like that. They didn't take themselves too seriously. They just focused on making a really, really, really good game, making a really good experience for the for the end user. Um, and I think, uh, ironically, they're going to end up uh, having more financial success from having just stuck to trying to delight their their uh, their customers, their users, making something that's fairly like, that's just pure in that kind of way. There's no um, there's no big upsells or anything yeah. like that. There's no monthly subscriptions. There's no like it's just 
they've just made something really, really good, and they're going to be rewarded really well for it. They already have. Um, so yeah, I wanted to mention that. I think that it's it was an exceptional um, it was an exceptional thing that that came out of last year. Uh, not, not maybe not traditionally what we think of when we think of makers, but. Um, they're not a big studio. Um, they're not big in corporate and you know owned by yeah. Ubisoft or whatever. They're, I think, at the end of the day, they're maybe like a couple hundred people, which is quite small um, yeah. for a, for a game studio. No, like, they are they are definitely creators. Yeah, yeah. like <clears throat> the games industry is is every bit as creative as as movies, as TV, as podcasting, as whatever. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, That's for really sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just. Sorry, go on. No, that was it. Just wanted cool. to mention that. Um, yeah, just for clarity, like for if you're out there listening, Larian Studios, the game's Baldur's Gate three. It's a, it's even more kind of niche, I think, than than any. It's so niche. It's like turn based RPG <laughs> strategy based yeah. in the D and D role play system as well. So it's like it's it couldn't get more geeky and nerdy, really. But somehow <laughs> they've made a huge success of it. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm a even bigger fan of their old game. Uh, uh, Divinity, uh, Original Sin number two, which uh, saved me and my friends through lockdown. We just uh, played that together um, through the whole of the pandemic, and it's great. It was so good. That's I would argue even more creative actually. The, the originals because they didn't even they invented the system there. They didn't even have yeah. Dungeons and Dragons to build it on. Um, but yeah, they're yeah. they're both like great in their own right. For sure. Cool. Good mention. Mm. Alrighty. Let's pop on to uh, sort of tying up aspects there. What did we make last week, Jacob? What have you been working on? Last week, uh, I'm sure to remember what I did for a living. <laughs> Coming back from Christmas. Coming back Is from that Christmas. right? Was that last week? I think it was. Uh, I think it's uh, been two now. But, has yeah. it been two? Oh, that's fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, oh, no. I was off the first week. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, so last week was, uh, yeah, genuinely just catching up um and doing some planning for the year doing some planning for kind of for the year um but mostly just for like the the sort of foreseeable um few months the first cycle second cycle kind of going into it um so looking at our funnels um how we are going to convert more of our traffic to subscribers subscribers into customers how we sell more of our smaller products um Mm -hmm. so we've got a couple of books we've got a load of courses we've got an academy we've got Alice we've got all this stuff yeah it's like it applies to any creator doesn't it like this is us trying to take our writing that we've created over the last 12 years 13 years um and really like we've always tried to direct people from there to other products like that's kind of how we pay for the site that's how it monetizes we either sell affiliate products or we sell books or courses or alitu or or software um and it's how we encourage more people to try them out essentially how we convince them that they're worth their while we we think the things that we've made are really valuable but how do we actually tell them that and how do we grow the trust enough in our content whether it's the blog or the podcast or videos that they actually are willing to give us a shot and chuck like ten dollars our way for a book or whatever so yeah yeah it's, yeah it's a tricky thing isn't it like figuring out those that's the that's what funnels are for funnels have got a bad name i think it's like a it, it almost um got bad connotations because it was too yeah. many uh, dodgy digital marketers <laughs> trying to make these hacky funnels that try and extract money from people but really it's just about trying to give people the next most valuable thing that they can get from us that will help them achieve their goal. Exactly. That's it. Uh, we have so many different things that we've made over the years. And as you say, so much content that actually <laughs> uh, what I had to do last week was just take a step back and look at it and figure out 
map out what's it going to look like. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, very productive, I thought, and cool. um, really worthwhile. Nice. Same with me, actually. Similar stuff. We're both working on a similar project at the moment. Mine really, though, I think maybe the takeaway I can give to people is if you're out there working on something like this, like creating a course or creating a product of anything, of any kind, um, this framework, I was telling you about this, Jacob, in Glasgow when we met up, um, around when they've committed to what you want to do. So for us, the commitment really is, for, for a lot of the people that come to our work, it's they want to start a podcast. So once they've committed to starting a podcast, once they've said, right, I'm going to go for it, I'm going to start a podcast, what's the next step? Uh, and arguably for us, it's like, um, okay, maybe create a podcast plan is the first step. So create your strategy, what the podcast is going to be about, why is it unique, all that kind of stuff. Then the next step, buy a mic, maybe. <laughs> then the next step, buy some software. Then the next step, uh, figure out your episode topics. Then the next step, hire some guests. Hire? <laughs> Get some guests in. <laughs> um, and for each of these steps, there will be questions. So to take an obvious one, the mic one, um, buy your gear. What's the best mic to buy? What's the best mixers to buy? Um, so can you create an answer for every one of those questions? Uh, and the thing I'm thinking through just now is trying to create answers for these questions that are not only courses. So we have courses that answer all of these questions. We've answered all of that stuff over the years, and we've got courses that take people through every single one of those steps. But courses are just not enough to inspire action on their own. They can be if people have the motivation, but it needs support and stuff as well. So I'm trying to think up products or tools or services or things like that that can actually answer these questions that help people take action. So example being, I'm going to implement a um, a four-minute feedback tool inside our academy where people can send us four minutes of audio, so a bit of their, their podcast, and we will listen to it and we'll feed back to it within a week. So I think yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that, something that we can do for them that helps them move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to put in a bunch of tools like that in our academy over the next few months to make it more actionable, more helpful, more you know human-based rather than just the course. The courses are great. The courses are useful, but it needs other things on top to make people take action. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's to be easier steps. Yeah, totally. smaller products. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. I love the idea of the the boss boss as a service that I told you about, Jacob. Like just being yeah. the the the, <laughs> the prod in their back. What are you doing? Have you done your thing this week? Because <laughs> it's always with podcasting and content. It's consistency. It's doing the thing every week. Um, and actually, if somebody just it sounds ridiculous, they'll pay us to tell them to do something um, as part of the academy. But it's like it's something that I think it's <laughs> actually helps. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of, um, especially solo, solo creators, yeah. probably struggle with. Yeah, I know I do on solo projects when there's no, when there's no one else to tell me that you have to do this in such a time. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. you know, you have to do it this way or whatever. Like, you, it's it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard. Absolutely. So I think it's something yeah. that some people would uh, would appreciate. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing, but bosses get a bad rap, but if there's one thing they're good for, it's uh, helping you get something done, get stuff yeah. done, making you get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Is that a wrap for this week? I think so. Thank you very much for listening, folks, to the Creator Toolbox. Uh, if you want to go and check out more of our stuff, please do go over to thepodcasthost.com. That's got everything we need to, we know about podcasting, anything you need to know 
about podcasting from starting to running to monetizing. Um, and we've also got Alitu as well. If you make a podcast, um, we've got call recording, editing, transcriptions, podcast hosting, and all the rest right inside Alitu. Everything you need to create your own podcast, go over to alitu.com. That's A-L-I-T-U.com for a seven day free trial. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time.